So what I'm going to speak on tonight, I'm really excited about. I've never preached an entire message on what I'm going to share tonight. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to St. John chapter 10. Just testing. St. <laughs> John chapter 10. St. John chapter 10, I'm going to have way too much fun tonight, I can already tell. And I'm going to read for us verses 1 through 10. In our first series, we talked about the many ways that God speaks to us and us hearing His voice. In our next time we talk about, we're going to talk about the equipment that we have and learning how to use it will be our next session. Tonight, I want to talk about, since we're talking about hearing the Lord's voice in St. John chapter 10... We're going to see somebody else that's in the picture that we're also going to learn how to deal with uh, also. So it says this, Jesus is talking. He says, most assuredly I say to you, he who enters the door, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep sometimes hear his voice. And the sheep never hear his voice. And the sheep hear his voice. Testing again. And he calls his own sheep by name. Everybody say, that's me. And he leads them out. He leads them out of the sheepfold. He leads them into green pastures. He leads them beside still waters. He restores our soul. Right? Verse 4, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. And the reason they follow him is because they they know his voice. Verse 5, yet, that's kind of like the word, in, in the talks about another word, but it's like we're going one way, we're going to go another way. Yet, it says, they will by no means, well, think with me, they will by no means follow a stranger But will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I want to stop there for a minute. In the New Living Translation, it says in that, they won't follow a stranger, they will run from him because they don't know his voice. In the Message Translation, it says, they won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. In the J.B. Phillips, I like this the best. J.B. Phillips, it says, They will never follow a stranger. Indeed, they will run away from him, for they do not recognize strange voices. Verse 6. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Boy. That's sometimes the way it happens in church, too. It kind of lands on, what's he talking about, Willis? Right? Verse 7, then Jesus said to them again, I like the way Jesus pursues. He steps right back into it. It's like, it's not enough that you didn't understand what I said. Verse 7, he said to them again, most assuredly, you got to believe this. I say to you, not somebody else I'm talking to. I'm talking to those in the room. I say to you, the door of the sheep, all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So, 
Tonight, in this picture, I want to figure out in, in this word we have tonight. First of all, who are the sheep? Let's just have a, just a, a minute and let's just do this. If you're a sheep, let's make a sheep sound. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's wonderful. Who is the shepherd? Who is the stranger? Thank you. So I don't even have to preach tonight, Pastor Austin. We already is the stranger. So in the notes tonight, I wrote down who is the stranger. The stranger, a.k.a., also known as the thief, the robber, the destroyer, a liar, the evil one, the enemy, Satan, the devil, the deceiver, and other things. Bills above. There's other things. But Jesus, did, he called him the one thing. He said that he is the stranger. And in that, I saw the instruction of what we're supposed to do in listening to the shepherd and what we're supposed to do in not listening to the stranger. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, that is really, really good. But if we're honest about in this coming out of the pasture and going into the pasture and following Jesus and won't listen to the voice of a stranger, it occurred to me a, a couple of things. First of all, he is not saying that it's not possible to hear the voice of a stranger. It's just that we're going to flee and not follow the voice of the stranger. So I'm going to put it in Pastor Terry terminology. So we're able to hear the voice of the shepherd. We're able to hear the voice of Jesus, right? Now watch my hand motions. And we're also able to hear the voice of a stranger, though we're not supposed to know the voice of the stranger. We're supposed to flee from it. So this is what happens, I believe, many times in, in church culture. We do our hand motions this way. I don't think God speaks to me. I don't think the Lord's ever spoke to me in my entire life. I don't think He talks today. In some circles, they say that it died and went away with the apostles. He doesn't talk today. Watch. I don't listen to the voice of a stranger. I don't hear what he's saying to me. He doesn't try to fill my head with all these kind of thoughts. And all of a sudden, by my hands are receiving what he's saying. We've got to switch the hand motion. I believe that the Lord does speak to us today, that we have the ability to hear the voice of the shepherd. Jesus really can't speak to us because we are a sheep. And I do not listen to the voice of a stranger. So when I was preparing for this message, and I'm not going to listen to the voice of a stranger, though we can hear the voice of a stranger, I'm not going to follow the voice of the stranger. Then he said that we flee. I prepared five points on how do we deal with the voice of a stranger. And as I was even thinking about this message, praying over this message in my counseling time that I've had since I started preparing for this, this time, I've recognized some people that would be sitting in my office and they would be saying to me what the enemy, the stranger, had been speaking to them. So I'd stop them. Whoa, 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 whoa. You do recognize that what you just said to me was not your own thoughts. What you just had come out of your mouth is what a stranger has been speaking to you. But I don't think that I'm going to make it. See? See? I don't think that I'm going to come through this. See? See? Wait, you think that that's not me? Oh, it's you. <laughs> but somebody else planted that thoughts in your head. 
And so you're saying what they say. So here's a counseling truth. I asked this question when I started working on uh, acquiring my master's degree and then my doctorate. I asked this question beginning of that. Why is it that when people go and see psychiatrists, primarily what they do, when psychiatrists talk to them, is they ask questions? They don't make a lot of statements. They don't make a lot of declaratives, but they ask questions. Why? Because you don't believe what something just said, somebody says to you. You don't necessarily just believe it. Because you've got another voice inside of you saying your voice that you know yourself more and trust yourself more than anybody else. So you can hear what somebody else tells you to do. It doesn't mean you necessarily believe it. Listen, but if your mouth says something, your ears hears it, you buy into that and you own that and it's called you belong to it. I believe what I said. So they ask you a question to see what you're going to say. I believe that I'm, I'm going to get out of this situation. Amen. Yes, you will. I believe that I'm not going to stay this way the rest of my life. No, you're not. I believe that I don't have to see a counselor the rest of my life. <laughs> no, you don't. I believe that I'm going to be better tomorrow. Yes, you are. I believe I'm going to get through this stuff in Jesus' name. Yes, you will. So it becomes a sense of I'm buying into this because I believe this because I belong. Watch. Whatever my ears hear my mouth say goes into my heart. And I believe it. So what are we doing? I hear the voice of the shepherd because we are. And how do sheep make a sound? Thank you. And we do not hear the voice of a stranger. Is what it says. Although we may hear the voice of a stranger, we're not going to. So there's five ways in that how we not follow into that and fall into that. Ready? Here we go. Number one, how are we supposed to respond to the stranger? What Jesus said in St. John chapter 10, verse 5, he said that you are supposed to flee as sheep. So we are sheep. Y'all done really well, but a couple of times we practice. Where do we flee to? <laughs> Thank you. You got... I got to work on my amen bill. Amen. But what does that look like, that we're fleeing to Jesus, that we flee to him? Think about it. One of the ways we flee to him is in the, in the time of worship, we're coming before the Lord. We're coming to him in our quiet times, our devotion times. We're coming to him in prayer times. Think about what the word is. So we're fleeing, we're fleeing from the stranger voice, and we flee to the voice of the Lord. We're coming to the Lord is what we're doing. So I thought in preparing that, but that sounds a little bit kind of different. How do you actually, how do you actually factually flee a stranger and flee to Jesus? Number two, James chapter 4 verse 7 says this. James 4 7 says we are to resist the devil, but before we resist the devil, we have to get the first thing first. Watch. I'll do it again. I'll stand over here and watch. James 4, 7. We submit to God. We resist the devil. And he will flee. So we flee to the Lord. And the devil flees from us. How, do, how does that work? How, do, how does that work? 
So this is what I thought about. To make it really, really bring it home for us right now. So both ears, sheep, listening. We have to recognize that if we're going to have a stranger's voice coming to us and we're saying this to it, stop listening to it, then that means at some point in the stopping to it that we've got to stop paying attention to it. In other words, we've got to turn away from that. And in my world, what that means is we've got to change the subject. We've got to move someplace else. We've got to turn our attention from. Because part of the work that's happening to us is his trying to get our attention so we get distracted so we cannot hear the voice of the Lord. Think about it. So I saw it like two big volume knobs, the voice of the stranger and the voice of the Lord. And in our beginning walk with the Lord, many times what happens is that we are so accustomed to hearing the voice of the stranger, he's like on level eight. And we're so not accustomed to hearing the voice of Jesus, the voice of our shepherd, it's like on level two. So with all the distractions and with all the noise and with all the lies and the doubts and fears and all those phobias and all those anxieties and stresses and all those things, it is so loud on us of all the things that's going to happen, it's hard to hear the voice of the Lord. Right? So if we're going to hear the voice of the Lord greater, we have to do this volume knob up, turn that volume knob down. So I want you to write down a a statistic for me. In the world of communication, there are three known facts about the world of communication. Number one is that 58% in the world of communication, 58% is what's called nonverbal communication. 58%. It's where you observe things and you see things, though people are not actually saying anything at all. It's nonverbal communication. The second big part of communication for people is 35%, which is called tones. It's not nonverbal stuff. It's tones that you use. Come on, guys. It's not what I said, but it's the way it sounded is what they think I meant. I'm not mad at you. (laughs) It sounds like you're mad at me. I did take out the trash. Okay. <laughs> what are you upset about? I'm not upset. It's tones that we hear. You can say the same words, but if it's a wrong tone, it's off. 35% is tones. And the last one, from, according to a lot of things I've read, mainly a book by two PhDs, a book entitled Messages, said, so when it comes down to it with those two numbers, people actual, actual words that people hear you say is only 7%. Think about how much noise we hear, and we only actually heard 7%. In the spiritual world, it's the same dynamic. We hear so much distractions. We hear so many things going on. We have so much noise that's going on. The volume is up on eight with all the things we can pay attention to, look at, all those things. And the voice of the shepherd is on a two. So, question and answer. Is it possible for us as believers, as sheep, to learn how, if we can turn down the voice of the shepherd, then the voice of the Lord can go up? Answer is yes. So, how do we do that? Point number three. We have to counter 
the things that's being spoken, lies, doubt, fear, unbelief, we have to counter those words with the truth. The way that Jesus did it in Matthew chapter 4 is that he fought the enemy and he, and he didn't listen. He didn't argue with him over all the stuff he was trying to tell him. Even when he was quoting a verse back at Jesus and trying to get him to jump off a temple, all these things. He didn't argue with the devil. He didn't. So why are you? Why would we argue with Satan over this stuff instead of turn the volume down and just stop paying attention to him? But we want to contend with. So the only place I think we need to counter things is when we're countering the, the lie, the doubt, the fear, the unbelief, all those things. We have to counter the, the lies with the truth. Here's a great truth. The opposite of the lies that he speaks to us, the opposite is the truth. Think about what I just said. So if he says to you, you'll never get out of this, the opposite is, the truth is, you will. If he tells you, single ladies, that want to be married, <laughs> you're never going to be married. The opposite is the truth. Yeah. Genesis, it's not good. The man should be alone, right? So there's a truth of that. Hallelujah. So we countered the lies, turned down the volume, the opposite of what he says. It is written, is it true? The Word, the Bible, the sword of the Spirit, Ephesians 6, 17, those are the truths that we listen to, not the lies of the enemy. Number four, the fourth way to deal with the, with the shepherd's voice, number four, is we are to bind the thoughts, the content of what the stranger is trying to give our direction. And again, not arguing with him about all these things, but we're binding those things so it doesn't become truth in our minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says it this way. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or just of our flesh, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Watch. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We're bringing it into captivity. How? By turning this volume thing down and not arguing things, just knowing as a fact by the truth that we don't have to listen to the lies of the devil. And taking the thought into captivity means we're presenting it to the Lord saying, this is a lie, right? Now, did you see what it did? Not, this is a lie, right? <laughs> no, it's, this is a lie, right? So we hear from the Lord versus, here, because all he does is just lie, 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 lie. Number, part of this also, we stop the continuation. We don't meditate on the wrong thought. We capture the thought and we make it answerable to the Lord. And then number five, fifth thing, is that as warriors dressed in the armor of God, resisting the stranger, he'll flee, using also the armor of God that's to presented to us. Now, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. One of the things that is said quite often in the New Testament Three times in Matthew, three times in Mark, one time in Luke, several times in the book of Revelation is the phrase that he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
right? Let's say it again. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. L-E-T in the New Testament is talking about you're in the driver's seat. L-E-T is always you. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. That's you. Okay? So, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. So, in Mark chapter 4, look at verse number 9. Verse number 9 is where that expression is. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, why would the Lord, think with me, why would the Lord tell the sheep to do something that they're not capable of doing? Why would he tell you, you got ears to hear, you need to hear. And you don't have the ability to hear. So it's a lie that we don't have the ability to hear, which I'll get into the next part in this next Wednesday. Oh, and by the way, I so appreciate Pastor Jacobs in the house also tonight. And he's going to be speaking a series coming up behind me. Just a little advertisement. <laughs> and he is so gracious to, to back his series up one more place because of the weather, me being bumped a little bit, so I could have the, that spot next Wednesday. I think that's a great pastor, don't you? Good. I just thought that's cool. I've also, I have served in other ministries and done other things. It, it's I've never known a ministry to be where that a senior pastor would sit on a front row and take notes when somebody else is speaking. That's just awesome. I think that's so cool. Now, it makes me a little nervous. <laughs> not really. But I think it's, it's so cool of how the, not only does he, is, is he honored, but he also shows honor. Also, the other pastors that's in the house tonight. Pastor Austin is a great, great campus pastor. Don't y'all agree? I think it's cool that Pastor Stan is in the house all the way from Brownwood. Pastor Chet has been here since the day of dinosaurs. Hallelujah. He, he's been in the house a long time. Amen. When this building was originally built, I'll just digress for a minute. When this building was originally built back in the day, did you know that Pastor Chet was a part of the house? Way back. I didn't say that part, but he's been, he's been here a while. So there's something. Of, it's just hard for me to think about tonight that how many pastors are here. And if I didn't mention your name, well, I just forgot. <laughs> But of what the Lord is doing in the house, and not just in Victory Life Sherman, but what He's doing in Victory Life Church. So this word about he that hath ears to hear, it's not just talking about just the sheep. But it's talking about godly shepherds that's been raised up to carry on and to move the flock as Jesus would have them to be moved. So in case you haven't recognized, we have godly shepherds that's a part of Victory Life Church. So, I took part of Pastor Austin's message that he preached from Mark chapter 4 in August of 2020 or 2021. It was just August of something. <laughs> I, was, I wrote it down in my Bible. And as I was thinking about this, of when Jesus made this statement, this was at the end of these other verses in Mark chapter 4, verses 2, 3, 8, and talks about the four types of soil. 
So I took the notes that he said. You didn't know that, did you? And, th- and so this is what he said. From the four types of soil so we can remember, okay? Because that's what basically what we all are. This is what, what he said. First type of soil was, was the seed was sown on the wayside. Birds came, got it, right? So the word that he used was the seed was snatched. Remember? Yep. Snatched away. So when the, when the word is being sown into our hearts, what the enemy tries to do in people's hearts is he tries to steal the seed away from them. So how does a stranger steal the seed from a person's heart, even in a good church like ours? How does he try to steal it? By distractions. By seeing things. By sitting on the back row and being distracted. I'm not talking to people on the back row. I'm just saying. <laughs> Why do you sit on the front row, Pastor Terry, so I won't be distracted? Because I can be distracted. So I sit on the front so I won't be. Then I see other things like water bottles that was up here a minute ago. That's not here now. So seeds can be, be snatched. Now listen. So we as sheep are trying to hear the word, hear the parts in the message so we don't get distracted, and one of the things the enemy tries to do, even a great church like ours, is cause us to be distracted so, we, so the seed does not land. That's the first type of soil. Second type of soil that he talked about was the uh, stony ground. And it said that it has no root in it. And so when the sun comes up, it gets burned up. The seed gets burned up because there's no root in themselves. It gets burned up. And the word he used for that was the word scorched. Wow. And I was praying over this part of this again this morning. And I thought about what that also said. What Jesus also taught was the way you keep your seed from being scorched up is you're going to have to get deep roots about it. You're going to have to take this thing down. Why do people get offended so easily? Because they don't have any root. And so they get offended. That bothered me. The, loud, the, the drums were too loud. The air conditioner's too cold. Heat's too hot. Lights are too bright. Dark in this place. They're not putting any room. Right? So we get so distracted by all of these things around us. And so when the seed is sown, it's burned up. There's no root. What's the antidote? We have to have root going down in us. That's what we have to have. Number three, the third type of soil is was among thorns. The cares of this world, there were thorns. Seed was sown, and yet as that seed was sown, thorns, cares of this world, came up and strangled it. It made it ineffective. Why is there so much news and so many things in news that filters down into Facebook and things that were surrounded by the cares of this world? In a hope, that the seed that is being sown is strangled, stopped. So we spend more time focusing them on Facebook and the news than we do upon the Word. We get distracted. The last one, hallelujah. Is my time already up? You're out here? Are you just practicing while I'm preaching? (laughs) I didn't know he was here. Number four, the 
the fourth type of soil, I want to say also, is who we are. We are the good soil. We are not scorched. We are not snatched. We are not strangled. We're the good kind of soil, right? Why? Because we got deep roots. Why? Because we're not going to let birds take away the seed and distractions. Why? Because we're not going to be so caught up with the cares of this world that we lose about our growing in the Lord and developing in the Lord, growing in Him. Thank you. So, the last one, number four, the fourth type of seed. Man, this just resonates with me. That good type of soil is not good just because it's good. It's not just the quality of, but it's what they do. Listen, it says that they hear the word, they accept the word, it becomes fruitful or bears fruit because of the planting and the caring of the seed that comes to fruit, which means because they receive the word and accept the word that they bear fruit. I did not know, I did not know that in, in Galatians where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, except 30 days ago, that the fruits of the Spirit in that sentence, the Spirit is a capital S, which means it's the Holy Spirit. And I thought for too many years that the fruit of the Spirit was the fruit of the Spirit. It was me producing the fruit. And so I struggle with how come I can't produce joy? How come I can't produce all these things, love, peace, all those things? And whenever I was reading it in this, I have to believe it was a revelation. I was reading it, and this is what I saw with the capital S. I saw and I heard the Lord say, when the Holy Spirit came inside of you, when you got saved, by virtue of Him coming inside of you and you became saved, how do you know He is? It's because the evidence of him being inside of you, capital S, is that he produces fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. So I got all that, and I said, man, that's pretty cool. I mean, does that happen all at once? How does it? And I actually saw it in my spirit. I saw it like when he was being a part of our life. I saw it like a bud, you know, springs around the corner. And the trees get these buds, right? So the, I saw a bud. All of them were buds. And then I saw blossoms. They became a blossom. And then from the blossom, I saw the fruit. So in my own life, the Lord said, in that picture that I saw, he said, Terry, one of the things that the devil tries to rob from you all the time is the word joy. You do really good. All these things are popping. But that little joy seed, it tries to stay a bud. Sometimes it becomes a bloom. <laughs> and it just kind of goes back to a bud. And I began thinking about all, all of that. What does that look like? Maybe all of us, because joy is different from happiness. Happiness is based on external circumstances. Joy happens because of inward truths. Because the Lord lives inside of us. Because we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Because greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world, that stranger guy. Right? So there's a great book I read. The guy's name was Richard Foster. Called The Celebration of Discipline. And the 12th chapter is the celebration of the discipline of joy. 
And I just finished reading that chapter in my, in my devotion time with the Lord. And I recognize that that's one of the things that really needs to be popping in the church. <laughs> popping. Just let it pop. <laughs> it just comes. So if the enemy's trying to, and the stranger's trying to cause for that to, to go down, and we really need for it to be popping, we need to pay attention to what that really is. And Nehemiah 8 and 10 says that the joy of the Lord, joy of the, of the Lord, is your strength. One of the secrets of having joy in your life, in the celebration word, is recognizing that no matter what happens to you, you're going to come out of it. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, to those that are called according to His purpose. It, that's got to frustrate the stranger terribly. Throws all this junk, all these things. We have hurts and distresses and all these things. And to know that every time, and know what it says, all things work together for good. Pastor, you don't know what I'm hurting about. I know we all hurt. I know we all go through things. But to have the promise that joy is on the other side of the hurt. Joy is something that pushes you through the hurt. Joy is something that carries you on the other side to get you out of it. Weeping may endure but a night, but joy comes in the morning. Right? Joy. Whew. And I felt that day, and I felt again this morning reading, I felt the joy. You know where I felt the joy? Not in the old hymn. There's a song that says this. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Remember? But I didn't feel it down in my heart. Down, down, down in my heart. I, I felt the joy come out on my face. I actually went and looked in the mirror, make sure I was, I was feeling right, looking right. And listen, I didn't look like the joker. <laughs> but, I, but I looked and recognized, man, and I actually said out loud, I said, it's back. The joy's back. And then I heard the Lord say in my heart, I am so glad that you've learned to cast all your care on me because I care for you. Because I care for you, you need to cast all your care on me. Why have you been so long carrying these things? And I said, because I thought I was supposed to. I want you to cast all your, all your care on me because I care for you. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to. But I do believe tonight that one of the things that we all need as a church is to make sure that we had that celebration of joy that's in our life. And it's real. It's something that carries us through. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on to us, joy comes in the morning. Amen. Amen. Anybody get anything out of the Word tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.